You know, when we build our life on Jesus, it gives you the ability to be unshaken. Because building your life on something solid allows you to stand firm. And man, at the end of that song, I just kept getting this, like like I was just singing, maybe it was just for me, like, I will not be moved. I will remain unmovable. I will not be moved. I will not move to hopelessness. Have you ever felt hopelessness vying for your movement, you know, in parenting, in marriage, in your workplace, in And you just feel that tug. And sometimes we just need to be reminded to stand firm and say, I will not be moved. I will not be moved to hopelessness as a parent. I will not be moved into hopelessness as a wife. I will not be moved into hopelessness as a child of God. In any struggle, I will be unshaken because my life is built on Jesus. Uh, Well, we have been in a series, Pastor John's been taking you through a series, just kind of diving in and studying the Holy Spirit. And we have been learning all about Holy Spirit, what he does, what he, how he works. Pastor John has been in full teacher mode, handing out notes every Sunday, and I don't have notes. I know some of you are like just shocked by that, Um, but he has done such a fantastic job. If you have not been a part of those messages, I encourage you to go back online and watch them. We can get you copies of the notes if you want them. Uh, but just really good going back to the basics to just say, who is Holy Spirit? What, ha- what does he do? And so I'm going to just kind of continue on uh, in that. And we're going to kind of focus on the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, which is one of my favorite things. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing to remember about Holy Spirit is that he's a person, He's a person. Holy Spirit isn't like a force. You know, I think sometimes in in church culture or the way we talk or when we read scripture about the Holy Spirit, we think of him like the force, you know, and it's like this like cryptic, like this is the way. If any of you have watched the Mandalorian, you know, like Mandalorians just walk up to each other and they say, this is the way. And you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I feel like sometimes when we talk about Holy Spirit, it's like that thing. It's like there's this force and it's like this secret thing. And this is the way. And uh, and that's Holy Spirit. You know, that's just that's just his way. It's just what he does, you know, uh, and Holy Spirit's not a force. He's not a feeling. He's not any of those things. He's a person and he he releases things. He is the one who is bringing us some of the feelings and some of those things, but he is a person. And so we have to just like remember that as we continue to study him, as we continue to be in relationship with God, the father, God, the son, who's Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, Holy Spirit is God. He is one of the Godhead. So it's not like God, the father, God, the son, and they work with the force. It's, it's Holy Spirit is one of the Godhead. There's a Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So he's one of those acting people in the Godhead. So what does he do? He empowers us. He teaches us. He guides us. He produces good things in us. Pastor John's been kind of unpacking that, so I won't even spend much time there. But he's the one who's doing all of the, the things and the movement in our spirit. He's the one who's teaching us, who's, who's guiding us into all truth, who's producing the fruit of the spirit in 
us. He's the one who's releasing the gifts of the spirit in us and all of those things. He is the one doing that work. And, and I don't know if John's going to continue to kind of unpack more and more of that. I don't know where we are in this series, but today I want to dive into the Holy Spirit baptism. And if we want to know more about Holy Spirit and the way he really works, I want us to look at his like epic entrance in Acts 2. It is a crazy story, you guys. Now, I want to give the backstory here before we dive in. So we're going to jump into Acts 2, but what's happened is Jesus has been on the earth with his disciples and with humans. He's been teaching, he's been doing miracles, and then he dies on the cross, which he's tried to tell his disciples about, but nobody's getting it. And he, he dies on the cross. He does not stay dead. He rises on the third day and then he begins appearing to his disciples and he tells them, uh, I'm going to go away, but I want you to wait. I want you to wait for the gift that the father is sending you. So gather together. And so th- this is like coming fresh off of, off of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Them seeing Jesus in his resurrected body. They're trying to put all the pieces of the last three years of their lives together. Where it's all kind of coming together. And they, the, the Christians at this time. Well, they're, I mean, the believers in Jesus are gathered together in one place in obedience to what Jesus had told them to do. Now, Jesus has explained to them in John chapter 14 and in John chapter 16, Jesus is having all of these amazing uh, discussions with his followers, with the disciples. He's saying, hey, I'm going away. And I'm telling you all this stuff, right? Like, I mean, think about it. If you're, if you're leaving... And you know you're not going to see people for a lot, like your kids, for example. What are the things that you're going to tell them? There's so many things, right? So we dropped our son off for camp um, this past week. So pray for us. And um, it, Boy Scout camp. And, um, and on the day that he's leaving, I had all the words for him. You know, like... I need you to remember this. I need you to take a shower. I need you to stay hydrated. Make sure that you drink water, son. Make sure that you're safe. Make sure that you you understand. Do you you remember how to say no? If somebody's asking you to do something that you don't want to do, then you need to do this. You know, so like I'm having all these important conversations because I'm about to not be with my kid. So I'm telling him everything in my head that I need. I'm praying for you every day. I will take communion for you. I will do, you know, like, this is what you need to remember. Do you have the word of God in your heart? You know, do you need to take your Bible? Can you do that? You know, like I'm talking to him about all these things, you know, uh, there is enough clothes. Change your clothes every day. If you've ever raised a boy, you can understand what I'm talking about. Like, Son, when you get in the lake, that doesn't count as your shower. You need to like still shower after that. Um, so I was giving him all of the instructions. And this is Jesus with his disciples, right? In, in John chapter 6, 14 and 16, he's telling them, I'm going away. And so the things he starts to tell them are like the most important things. Like, this is what you need to know because I'm not going to be with you. And he keeps telling you, and he keeps talking to them and he says, okay, I think that's all I can give you for now. But when the Father sends the advocate, when Father sends Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will remind you of all these conversations. So he starts telling them what's to come. He starts 
telling them, this is Holy Spirit. He's coming for you and he's going to come to you and he's going to remind you of all of this. And then in chapter 16, he's telling them, listen, I'm going to go and it's to your advantage. And that makes no sense in my head because I'm kind of like, Jesus in the flesh is pretty awesome. But Jesus in the flesh is telling his followers, this is to your advantage that I go. If I don't leave, then the Holy Spirit cannot be sent. So we have to do this because the Holy Spirit is going to be amazing to you and in you and for you. It's going to be the game changer for all of humanity and for every believer from this point on. So I have to leave. So he's setting them up and he's telling them like, this is good. This is amazing. This is what's coming. And so we come to Acts 2 and it's coming. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And so then it lists all the people and where they're from, from all of these places. And we hear all these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. And they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. And I want to just stop there, and I want to break down kind of what's happening here. So right after this, Peter gets up, shares his first sermon, and 3,000 people are added to the, ch- to, to the believers, and the, the church is born. This is the day. Now, let me flip to my right notes. That would be probably helpful. There's so many cool things happening in this story. One of the first things is, so they're just gathered. I mean, can you, sometimes we read stories and we're like, wow, that's cool. Um, But think about what this would be like. It would be like if we're all in here praying and suddenly we can appreciate windstorms. We know what they sound like and we know what they feel like. Suddenly that happens inside. It says there's a sound of a rushing wind that fills the house where they're sitting or standing. And it says that then fire comes and appears on every person. Now, this is so significant. I want you to understand that if when Jewish people saw fire, they understood that that meant God's presence. Okay, think about fire through the whole Bible. When does fire show up? You can talk today. Anybody? The burning bush. Moses in the burning bush. The tabernacle through the desert. They were led by a pillar of fire by night. The altar of Carmel. Elijah, fire from heaven comes down. 
Like there's this really cool passage in Leviticus. If you've ever like read the Bible really through and you're just praying for Leviticus to end because it's really boring and lots of numbers, you get to this one, this one story in there where they're worshiping Jesus and fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice and they all fall face down uh, before the altar. So fire shows up in, in their culture and for believers and they're like, that's God's presence. It's the presence of God. And they, they've seen it, their, their people have seen it. Generations before them have seen the fire. They've seen miraculous signs where God shows up in fire. And so this is so significant. Now, what is so significant about this is in the upper room, it's not just like a cool thing of fire shows up at the front because that's how it's always happened before. The fire comes and separates and it is individually over every single person because what God is doing here is saying, game changer. The presence of God is not now a place or a thing that you come to. It's for every single individual to fill you. And so the fire, like I just have to know that that was significant for the believers in that room to say, whoa, We've heard of fire, but never like this. Fire has never been available to every person. It's always been this holy one thing that we follow, that we worship, that comes and consumes, but we have never watched it consume every individual. And so there's something significant happening where, where God is really just showing off and saying, this is what I'm doing. Holy Spirit is here for everyone. In other words, Every person now has access. Every person has access. Before it was only the priests would have access and they would go on behalf of people and try to, you know, they would do all of their ceremonies to bring redemption for themselves, for the people. And and God's presence was a place. The tabernacle was the house of God, right? And you would go to the tabernacle. And now here in the upper room, we see There's fire falling on every single individual where God is saying it's all different now. So crazy. So there's all this crazy commotion going on, causes a crowd to gather. People hear what's coming on. People from all over are coming like, what is going on? Some people are totally amazed. Other people are like, Whoa, guys, these people have just gotten a hold of new wine. They are just drunk. I mean, that tells you a little bit about their state of mind or what they might have been like because people are just like, they're just drunk. Peter gets up, he says he stands up and he says, These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Every time I read that, I'm thinking, Peter didn't go to my high school, you know? Um, But this was a different time and it's nine o'clock in the morning. And he said, in other words, he's saying, look, people aren't going to be gathered together in a place to be drinking together. There's nowhere open for that. And he begins to share the gospel He begins to tell the story of Jesus and the one that you crucified. And he begins to quote scripture. 
And he begins to lay it all out like Peter, the one who just denied Jesus not that long ago, stands up and is like the rock that Jesus had declared he would be. And he begins to give truth. Now, the thing about this whole encounter that's really interesting is that it's still a thing. See, baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is, this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the first time when it happened. Holy Spirit came down and everybody was filled to overflowing and began speaking in other tongues. And I want to just kind of break this down for you because the church, like capital C church, has not done a really good job of explaining this. It's always weird. See, some of you right now, you look a little nervous. Like you're already like, you're just like, some of you are like, oh, geez, we're talking about tongues and all the Holy Spirit thing. And I might've slept in if I would have known. And, uh, it's because it's been done wrong. It's because we don't teach on this. We don't tell people what this is about, what's happening here, what's going on. See, salvation and Holy Spirit baptism are two different events. They're two separate things. So Jesus, again, in, in John, if you haven't read the gospel of John in a while, you should do that. I'm reading it through just really slow right now. Like I'm just asking the Lord, I want it to be like I'm reading this for the first time and it's so rich. So in, in John chapter 20, Jesus comes to, to his disciples and he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And it says that his disciples received the Holy Spirit. So then why would they need to wait in Acts chapter 2 for Holy Spirit? It's because it's like two different things. I believe in John 20, that is like their salvation experience. Because when we receive salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our spirit. Okay, so I've got an illustration for you. I haven't done this in a long time, guys. Okay, so this cup represents your life. And this pitcher of water is Holy Spirit, okay? So when you decide to follow Jesus for the first time and you surrender your life, you make Jesus the Lord of your life, and you say, I'm going to follow you, this is what happens. Amazing, right? When we come to Jesus, when we surrender our lives to him, Holy Spirit actually comes and resides in your spirit. Your three parts, you have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. Holy Spirit, his place is in your spirit. So he is residing in your spirit. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit enters your life. Okay, so that's how I'm telling you this is two separate things. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit... would be like this. This picture is exceptionally slow. See, there's a fullness, an overflowing. 
where there's more Holy Spirit than we can contain, that it begins to come out of us everywhere, all over the people that we're around. You're waiting for it, aren't you? It's okay to laugh in church. That's a, that's a smart man. Just using my purse as a shield. He knows I won't get crazy. But this is just a great illustration to say, this is, what, this is what's happening in our spirits. For salvation and for baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for everyone. For everyone everywhere. When Peter gets up, he says, this is for you for your children, and for everyone everywhere. That tells me that this is not an isolated experience to Acts 2 that was only for the people that were with Jesus. And in fact, this happens two more times in the book of Acts with Gentiles, people who were not of Jewish descent. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's no way that there would be a promise that says this is for you and for your children, for your children's children, and for everyone everywhere if it was only supposed to be for this group of people. This is an experience and an ongoing encounter that's supposed to be released in the people of God all the time. All the time. Now listen, this is two separate things. Do you need to speak in tongues and be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? No. I mean, you might need it to go to Walmart, but not to heaven. Okay, so this is like not worth fighting about. Do you understand? This is not a salvation issue. So there's no reason to fight with other denominations on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to live my spirit-filled life. I'm going to inform some other people about it, but I'm not going to fight about it because if you believe in Jesus as the only way to heaven, then that's okay with me because this is non-essential for heaven. So I I just want to share that because sometimes there's a lot of confusion um, in spirit-filled circles or if you were raised in a denomination that doesn't believe in any of this, it can make you really uncomfortable and you're like, these people are crazy and they say, I need this. And I think you do need it. But it's not a part of your salvation. You can live your whole life without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you will meet Jesus at the, on the other side. So, so understand that. These are two separate events. Now, what happens after this? is that all of the believers begin to speak in tongues. They begin to speak in other languages. And that's freaky because they don't know it. That's why this thing gets weird, right? Because we're like, this is weird. I'm just not going to read it. Do you ever do that? Like, do you find weird passages in the Bible? You're like, I'm just not going to read that. You shouldn't do that. You should study it, learn from it. Now, speaking in tongues... is weird. That's okay. There's a difference between speaking in tongues as a prayer language and speaking in tongues as a gift of the spirit. 
Okay, so if you've been in our church for very long, occasionally, not super often, uh, in our worship time, someone will publicly say something in a language that none of us know. That's speaking in tongues. Now, that is a gift of the Spirit. That, when it is shared, requires an interpretation. So usually, if you've been here, somebody might share something, and then we wait a few minutes, and then someone will say something in English. That's the interpretation, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Now, what Holy Spirit baptism is talking about is praying in tongues. That is not a gift. It's just like a prayer language that you have with the Holy Spirit. And it says that they began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This is really important. Speaking in tongues is not magic, but it's also not made up from your mind. So there was a study done. I believe it's Harvard. I need to double check on my university. It's been a long time since I've read it. There was a study done for spirit-filled believers, and they had, uh, they had people who prayed in tongues come in, and they wanted to monitor the activity in the brain to see what was happening uh, when, when people were praying in tongues. So they had all these spirit-filled believers come in, and they hooked up all the, the monitors and the sensors, and they said, okay, what we want you to do is we want you to pray in English or whatever their native language was, Spanish, whatever it was that they spoke in regularly. We want you to speak, just pray in English or your native language. And then at some point, we want you to just switch and begin praying in tongues. And we're just going to like see what's going on here because we want to understand this. And so uh, they, they began speaking. So when they were praying in English, the language center of the brain is off the chart, right? So it's like doing the little chart thing, and it is like registering activity like crazy because you have a language center in your brain. So anytime you're speaking, the language center is registering. It's lighting up, okay? So they, they're praying in English. The language center's all lit up. The activity is off the chart. The moment that they began speaking in tongues, that thing went almost silent. They were speaking in tongues out loud from their mouth, and the language center was not registering any words, any activity. There was like almost no activity in the language center of the brain. Is that mind-blowing to anyone else? Why is that? Because, this, because tongues come from your spirit, not from our body. Our physical brain cannot monitor a language that is being birthed from the spirit within us. It's incredible. That's incredible. Think about that for a second. So they spoke in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This is coming from a different source than here. Thinkers sometimes have a hard time with that because we we want it to make sense. We have to understand it. You won't. (laughs) 
there's so much mystery in following God. There's just some things that we cannot wrap our our little minds around because God is so big. But then when it's like, like when science begins to study stuff out and just confirms what the scripture is saying, you're like, it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, so why would we speak in tongues anyway? Paul in his letters will talk to, and he says, I, I, I speak in tongues more than any of you. And he says something. He says, speaking in tongues is edification to your spirit. Now, I teach this lesson sometimes to kids and stuff, and I love it because they're so honest, right? Kids will be like, does that mean someone's going to eat me? Edification? It sounds like a, it sounds kind of like a scary word, uh, but it's not a scary word. So I need a volunteer. Oh, look at all the volunteers right now. Pastor John, I guess it's going to be you. Oh, we don't have to use a chair. I'll use the stage. Okay, Dave. Thanks. Thanks for being a sport. Everybody's like, I've seen you with water. I don't know what's coming. Okay, just stand right here. All right, so give Dave a hand. Okay, so this this is Dave. And we're going to say Dave is... Filled with the Spirit. He is, actually. We're not just going to pretend. <laughs> okay? And when Dave is praying in the Spirit, according to the Word of God, it says it's edification for his spirit man. So what edification means is that it builds it up. So if Dave is praying in tongues, I'm going to be his spirit, okay? So as Dave is praying in tongues, what happens is his spirit grows and grows and grows. So while Dave is only this tall in the flesh, his spirit is giant. And that's what tongues is about. It's edification for your spirit. This is a tool, right? Because if you've read, your, if you've read the word, then you know that all of our battles that we fight are not against flesh and blood, but they're in the spirit. So if I'm fighting a spiritual battle, I want to be the big one, you know, like I want a giant spirit. Who doesn't want a giant spirit when we're talking about spiritual warfare, right? So thank you, Dave. All right. So that's all that tongues is for the edification of your spirit. Praying in tongues builds you up. That's the short of it. You want a giant spirit, pray in tongues. This is important. Praying in tongues is one of those things, it's, it's not magic. You don't wait for it to consume you. Uh, some people think it's, it's just like experiential and you just wait for the moment when you're completely taken over uh, and you can't stop. That's not really what praying in tongues is about. You can start it, you can stop it. And it's supposed to be more than a one-time event. It's not just supposed to be like summer camp and baptism of the Holy Spirit night. That was amazing. And then you go back to church and nobody ever says anything about it. You don't pray in tongues anymore. It's never taught on. And we're just like, okay, that was cool. That's a camp thing, right? And then when you go to camp again, you're like, I'm going to pray in the Spirit because that's what we do at camp. No, that's what you do in your life. That's what you do in life. You pray in the Spirit. 
Pray in the spirit when you're in the shower. Pray in the spirit when you're in the car. The beautiful thing, right? We, I just told you, it doesn't even come from your brain, so you can multitask. Pray in the spirit and wash the dishes. Pray in the spirit and do all this other stuff because it's not using your brain power. It's coming from the spirit. So you can use your brain to drive or to wash dishes or to do whatever you need to do, and you can be praying in the spirit. We've been equipped with something. This is one of those weapons. I I think the first time I preached this year, I told you, we're going to be kind of giving you weapons. We're going to be highlighting the things that the Lord has given us uh, to just fight well. And so the first time I, I preached, I talked about the power of communion and using that as a weapon. Speaking in tongues is a weapon. This is a free weapon that's made available to the church that we can use to build up our spirit. And I don't know about you, but in the world that we're living in, we need some giant spirits. There's so much stuff going on. There's so many things going on all the time that I want that weapon. There are some times when I do not know how to pray for our world, for our government, for people who are going through insane amounts of trauma. I don't even know how to pray. I pray in the spirit. I pray in the spirit. Because Holy Spirit knows what to pray. If you were ever a kid and created a, a, like a code language, did you ever do that with your brothers and sisters or a best friend? Like you create a language or like we tried Morse code in between our, our rooms, you know, like where you knock on the and you create this secret language, right? So that your parents don't know what you're saying or your, your brother doesn't know what you're saying or whatever it is that you want to do. And I've always thought of speaking in tongues as kind of like this connection with Holy Spirit. It's like this, this secret language because the enemy doesn't understand it. I don't either. <laughs> it's a code language that I speak, but only the Holy Spirit knows. That's okay, with, that's okay with me. So is speaking in tongues weird? Yeah. But why should we be afraid of that? Listen, we're, we're, we're willing to be weird about all kinds of other things. And we say it's okay. Yeah, is this totally different? Yes. Does it always make sense in my brain? No. Do I see the fruit of it in my life? Yes. Yes. There are times in my life when I have been so attacked... And, so, and, and just like in a dark place that, you know, you know, when you know the word of God and you're like, I know what's true, but I cannot feel what's true. I cannot seem to, to realign my mind. I cannot get out of this place. Even though I know what I should believe, I know what the Bible says. Those are the moments in my life when I have just began to pray in the spirit. Like, I dare you, pray in the spirit for five minutes a day. Five minutes doesn't sound like a long time. That's a long time. You set a timer to pray in the spirit for five minutes, you're going to get bored in 30 seconds. You, it, you have to train yourself to do this. But there are times when I've prayed extensively in the spirit, when I've been in that dark place, and I don't know what happens. But it releases something in my spirit and clears some of the fog. Because it's a weapon. Because I'm connecting with the Holy Spirit in a way that the enemy does not understand. I'm praying perfectly because Holy Spirit is doing it through me. And so this is a weapon. It's a tool to use. I was seven years old. 
when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, right upstairs in this house. I was at a kid's crusade with Safari Tim. And I always like to share my testimony before we do any kind of response, but I gave my heart to Jesus probably the first night, and then they were doing baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I thought, I, I want that. In my little seven-year-old brain, I thought, I want to do this. I can do this, you know? And uh, so I responded, and for me, when I responded and, and prayed for Jesus to come and baptize me with the Holy Spirit, um, I just felt... I felt the presence of God in a really interesting way. It almost felt like butterflies to me. Like that's the way I can remember it as a child. That's how I would describe it is there was like a feeling of butterflies kind of in my tummy. And I remember it was like it just something just came out and I I like spoke a couple of words and that was it. But there was like this sensation of feeling something. And I've always been so inquisitive about that you know it's like you see all kinds of crazy things about the holy spirit and people get baptized in the holy spirit and some people feel all kinds of things some people feel nothing but i think there's there's an element of like you know you going back to the cup i'm invite i'm inviting all of heaven to invade my physical body (laughs) i mean my spirit you know to a point that's overflowing and so sometimes that leaks out into your physical body and you get a physical sense uh, of, of the spirit moving. And so that's, that's what it was for me. That was my experience. I began to speak in tongues. So from seven years old on, I have spoken in tongues. I've prayed in tongues. I believe in it. Uh, and I believe that that's something that really kept me on course for Jesus. It kept my heart turned towards him for all of, all of my life. And I just pretty much take the scripture as what it says. This is for you and for your kids. This is for you and your children and your children's children and for everyone everywhere. And uh, so this is for everybody. And that, that's my story. That's my testimony. I've seen hundreds of people, probably thousands of people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's different for every person. I've seen people who stand at an altar and feel absolutely nothing. They stand there stoic. We pray. They stand there stoic still. And then they'll just pray in the spirit. Like, are you feeling anything? Nope. All right. Awesome. Cool. You know, I'm not, I'm not Holy Spirit. I don't care how it's done. It's not cookie cutter. Why would it be? Are any of us cookie cutter? No. Holy Spirit shows up to us. In the way that he knows he should because he created us. And so I want to give a room for response. I'm not sure if all of you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure what your uh, experience is with this. But I want to give you an invitation to respond to Jesus. Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. And I get like, it's a little uncomfortable and it's a little weird, but that's why we wanted to teach on this, to just say, this doesn't have to be. Like, this, is, this should just be normal, spirit-filled life. We should understand it as much as we can, and we should walk in it. And then we should teach other people to do the same thing. And then we should keep doing it. 
If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you have your prayer language and you haven't used it in a really long time, start using it. Start practicing it this, this week. Find a space in your life where you just use your prayer language. Like I said, in the shower, driving to work, there's places where we are, we're by ourselves where you can just practice, where you begin to develop a habit of praying in the Spirit. Incorporate that into your prayer life. One more thing about speaking in tongues that I'll share that I've seen over the years. It's just like learning any other language. That's what I've learned. So in just a little bit, we're going to have a response. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want to be, I'm going to have you come up here and our leaders are going to begin to pray in the spirit around you. And you might be like, wow, that sounds really cool. Their language sounds really cool. I don't know if I could sound like that. Well, you won't. I've seen over and over at the altar, it reminds me so much of babies learning to talk. When babies learn to talk, what are their first words? Dada, mama, right? They, they say just like a few syllables. And so I've watched people become baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they have like just a couple syllables. And one of two things happens. Either they're like, that's awesome, or they're like, oh, that doesn't sound right. So they never use it again. But think about it as learning a language. I will say that praying in the Spirit for so many years, sometimes mine, mine will just change because it's from the Holy Spirit. I'm not making it up. Right. Pastor John's. have you shared your testimony yet? Maybe he'll give you details. Pastor John was at church camp and responded for baptism in the Holy Spirit, and the right person didn't come to pray for him. It was, it was a girl intern, not the main speaker. She didn't have the power of Jesus. <laughs> like any young boy in your mind or any young girl, you know, you're at camp, you're like, I want the speaker to pray for me. Come on. Only things happen when the speaker prays for me. And he talks about, uh, he, he got prayed for and, and nothing really happened, but he began to make up his own prayer language. And he pray, he, he would use that for a lot of years like a lot of years, even through high school into college, if I, right? It was like he just made up something that kind of sounded like a mix of what he'd heard, and that's what he would pray. He could, he could tell it to you today. It's ingrained in his memory because it was from him. Because it was produced from John's brain, not as the Holy Spirit gave him the ability. And at some point there was a, there was a transition for John. I'm not even sure that you know when that was. But I, I like to share these testimonies to just say, like, that wasn't, that wasn't speaking in tongues because it's not manufactured. And so your language sometimes will change over time. The more you pray, sometimes the more you just find coming out. And so when you first respond, it could just be like, Babel, does it sound like gibberish? Yes. Sometimes you just got to get over that. And the other block sometimes can be if you've grown up in a place and you have, you have been taught that this, this is from the devil and you have specifically said, I will never do that. That is, that is not from God and I will never do that. Um, if that's you, I would encourage you to um, maybe just repent before the Lord and say, I didn't know. And I do want this gift um, because sometimes just the block of just our growing up, the things that we've, we've spoken, be, just because we didn't know, um, sometimes just that, that 
vow is strong and, and keeps us from really receiving. So is there anybody in the house that's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you say, I'll do that today. Come on. Do you want to stand up back there? You can stand up back there. Anybody else in the house? All right, Dave, will you go back there? How many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you've never received your prayer language? Anybody in the house for that? All right. Will you come up to this side? And if there's anybody else, you can join. So I do this real easy. I just have people say, Jesus, come and baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And then we just begin to kind of pray in our prayer language. And you join us when you're ready. Cool. So he proves it. So don't be uh, shy about asking John if it's real. That's good. Is it real or is it not? Because that'll always come up. So, Dave, I'm going to let you guys just kind of pray. But you just say, Jesus, come and baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Dave will lay his hands on you. He's going to pray with you. And you just kind of let something come out. Here's the thing. We've, ta- we've already said it's weird. You just got to make sure it's good weird and not bad weird, right? We know the difference. You know when you've, you've felt something that's bad weird. That's what we need to know. If you feel something bad weird, you need to say, I feel bad weird. If it's good weird, then we're all about that. All right? So, okay. So, uh, yeah, Ronnie and Dave, you guys can pray back there. I'm going to pray up here. And uh, I guess I'll pray in close, too. If there's anybody else who needs prayer, come on up. We'd be happy to pray for you. Uh, and if you have more questions about this uh, or you were just a little bit hesitant to to respond, come up afterwards. But Lord, thank you for reminding us about the fullness of your spirit. Lord, I pray right now that you would stir every heart. Lord, I thank you for the work that you're doing in all of us. Lord, I thank you for showing us times, for bringing to our remembrance times when we need to pray in the spirit. I thank you for equipping your church with giant spirits. Lord, I thank you for breaking through just our head knowledge and penetrating our heart. God, I thank you for baptizing people afresh this morning with with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for fresh encounters being released. I thank you that you do it again and again and again. Like some of the apostles, they just experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit a couple of days different times, Lord, would you just come again? We thank you for, for guys responding right now. I pray right now, Jesus, that you would begin to baptize them in the Holy Spirit and release uh, prayer language. In Jesus' name, amen.